We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Episode 2 of the Vandal Insider Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. However, you might be listening. A lot of great options, depending on how you have uh, found us already. But you can check out the Vandal Insider Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, via Amazon. Again, you could go to your uh, Amazon Echo and say, Alexa, play Vandal Insider Podcast, and it will start playing. And even super easy to go on and listen at GoVandals.com. If you go to GoVandals.com slash VIP uh, for Vandal Insider Podcast, whole media player comes up there. You can listen to all of our podcasts, all of the coaches' shows. We're going to add our Where Are They Now segments from the football pregame shows. So that is all available. And on that note, We've got a packed episode coming up here. We've got Sam Herter, who does a fantastic job covering the FCS as a whole, the senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports. We'll talk to him about the national perspective of Idaho coming into this year, uh, the Big Sky Conference, the FCS as a whole. A lot of great information. If you're excited about Vandal football and you want to know more about the Vandals in the FCS landscape, this is really going to be an interesting conversation to tune into. And then we have a wide-ranging conversation after that with University of Idaho. Director of Athletics, Terry Golick. So a lot of great info that we get to touch on with Terry. Also this episode, we're excited to be joined by Chris Hammond. He does a fantastic job working for the VSF. Uh, he's along for both interviews as well. So we really appreciate that. And on that note, uh, not only if you're tuning into episode two, if you missed episode one, don't forget, go back. You can download the episode, listen again at GoVandals.com slash VIP. And you can hear our conversation with Jason Eck and the reigning national championship head coach at the FCS level, John Stigelmeyer, Coach Stig, who Coach Eck coached for at South Dakota State before becoming the head coach for the Vandals. That was a really, really fun conversation. So much good information from there. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I encourage you to to go back and uh, give it a listen. 
And speaking of listening, shoot, this is game week. Thursday kickoff for the Vandal football team. Myself and Trent Callen will be there down in Beaumont, Texas. Hot, sweltering Beaumont, Texas. Thursday night, 5 o'clock kickoff Pacific time. Our pregame coverage on the Vandal Radio Network will start an hour prior. So you can also stream the game for free by going to GoVandals.com or also the Varsity Network app. Download it. It's free. You can stream the game off your phone or tablet as well. So a lot of great options to uh, to catch the broadcast as we'll be there for the kickoff of the season. The Vandals taking on Lamar. Well, without further ado, let's dive right into it. So much to cover this episode. Right now, here is our interview with Sam Herter. Well, it's our pleasure right now to be joined by senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, Sam Herter. Uh, Sam, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us here about the Vandals. Uh, there's a lot of excitement right now about uh, football in the upcoming season for Idaho. Uh, can you give us the national perspective? What's the view of the Vandals nationally entering this season? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with the the top 25 polls and individual ballots that Idaho is, you know, kind of that that preseason team that is getting a lot of hype this year from different media members and different media outlets. And I think it's it's well deserved when you look at what uh, Idaho did from 2021 to 2022 in Jason X first year. And then with the pieces coming back, especially offensively. I think that kind of lends its hand to a lot of us looking at Idaho as that program that can take that next step nationally. And I think, you know, just from a 500 foot view, we talk pretty often about what programs can step up into being tier one FCS teams with, you know, engaged fan bases and a team that's not North Dakota state or South Dakota states, you know, teams with good tradition, good fan bases that can, uh, you know, perform better on the field than what they have been. And Idaho is, has been that team that's been at the, at the, you know, near the top of that list of programs that should be better than what we've seen. And we saw them last year, take that next step to, to being, you know, a better team on the national stage. Well, last year, uh, such a fun season for Idaho, and it felt like such a jolt of energy for the program. It seemed like nationally, uh, Idaho really got on folks' radar after the Montana win. Uh, what was your point of view, the national perspective for you, uh, for how last year went for Idaho? Yeah, you mentioned the Idaho win, or the, the Idaho over Montana win uh, in Missoula there. Uh, you know, I think that was the turning point for a lot of us nationally uh, when it came to the Vandals. Uh, you know, I think we all thought that the hiring of Jason Eck was a home run hire. Uh, you know, he's familiar with the FCS. He knows how, uh, because sometimes when you when you hire a Power 5 coordinator to be an FCS head coach, they get there and, you know, they're kind of surprised that, you know, all right, this is how the scholarships work. This is what the other stadiums look like. Sometimes they're sometimes they're a little taken aback at what the atmosphere, what the FCS atmosphere is like. And so I think the hiring of Coach Eck was uh, was a was a great hire. I don't think Idaho last year at this time had huge expectations. Um, you know, I don't think they were really getting a whole lot of top 25 votes or anything like that. But then, of course, not many of us know who Giovanni McCoy was, you know, the freshman star quarterback that emerged. Um, and, and so I think we saw Idaho compete really well with uh, a couple of those FBS opponents. And that kind of made us go, okay, you know, they're, they're competing pretty well against these FBS opponents. They didn't beat them, uh, but they competed well, but yeah, it was that Montana win that really made us open our eyes and said, okay, yeah, this team is legit this year. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned those uh, power five opponents from last year, Sam, I'm kind of curious as you look at our non-conference slate this year, what are kind of your thoughts on uh, us having Lamar, Nevada and Cal's opponents? Can you kind of dive in the importance of, uh, scheduling a team like Lamar instead of Western Oregon. Yeah, and you know it's obviously 
you know, it, it's a balance because with those three non-conference games, you're going on the road. And so you're, you're kind of making your, you are making your fan base wait several weeks before a home game. But, you know, with the FCS playoff pitcher, non-division one wins don't count toward your resume. Um, and so if, if Idaho would have played uh, not Lamar in a D2 team and Idaho goes eight and three this year, you know, the playoff committee would look at them as a seven win team because that they just don't, they just don't count uh, D2 teams. And so I think even though you had to get a road game, getting that Lamar game is, is great because it's, it's a counter win. It's not a non-counter win. As far as the two FBS opponents, you know, it can, it can obviously work in your favor. You know, if you go one and one in those games uh, on the flip side of, uh, for the playoff committee, um, you know, FBS wins are weighed really, really heavily. I mean, both of those games really are, are winnable games for, for Idaho. And so, you know, two and zero in those games, three and zero heading into big sky play with two FBS wins, all of a sudden, you know, things are rolling, but it can also go the other way where you're one and two overall. And you know, that that's, FBS games, yes, you get some money. Yes, you, you know, it's fun for your players. But if you lose both of those games, all of a sudden you're, you have one division one win heading into conference play. You probably have to go six and two in big sky play to hit seven division one wins um, and seven D one wins out of the big sky usually gets you into the playoffs. And so um, I think two FBS scheduling, uh, scheduling two FBS opponents, in my opinion, is not the smartest, um, especially if you are a team that wants to be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, but again, if if Idaho goes one and one in those FBS games, it works out in their favor. It's just I still think it's just risky to schedule that many FBS opponents. After Idaho wraps up the non-conference stretch, Lamar, Nevada, and Cal, and it's on to Big Sky play. Never easy. What are your thoughts on the conference as a whole going into this season? Yeah, I think the depth of the Big Sky is what. Uh, stands out as far as the amount of teams that are probably playoff worthy in the big sky. You know, I look at the the top six teams, um, whether it's whatever order you want to put them in between the preseason coaches poll and the media poll, there's kind of some differences there, but the top six teams I think have separated themselves from the bottom six teams in the big sky. And I think all of those top six teams are going to be in the playoff picture. And, you know, I'm going through game by game predictions for some of the top 25 teams in the FCS and, you look at those top six teams in the big sky and I think each one of them are probably going to hit at least seven division one wins. And there's going to be a lot of eight division one win teams and um, maybe a couple of nine division one win teams, maybe a team like Montana state gets, you know, goes 10 and one or something like that. And so um, will the big sky get six playoff teams in? I'm not sure that is, I mean, that is 25% of the bracket, you know, and there are, uh, what, 10 conferences as a whole playing in the FCS playoffs. And so six might be a little much, but it has been done before. Um, and so I just think the the depth of the big sky is, is is really strong. I mean, Idaho, we talked about their home slate earlier. You know, the they're making the weight worth it, you know, I think as far as for the fan base, because there's some some top-notch home games for Idaho this year against highly ranked big sky teams. And how would you break down the tiers at the top of the FCS right now from an Idaho perspective? It's been a lot of fun hearing all this preseason talk and buzz, but uh, what would you say right now the top tiers are nationally of the FCS heading into the year? Yeah, it seems as crazy as it is, it seems like South Dakota State has separated itself from the pack um, as kind of being you know, kind of in a, in a tier of itself. Um, then I think you can put North Dakota State and, and, and Montana State as kind of those those two contenders, uh, the, the two top contenders to South Dakota State. Um, 
frankly, if, if any team wins the FCS title that's not named North Dakota State, South Dakota State, or Montana State, I would be relatively surprised. You know, I think there is a gap even between those three and the next teams. But, you know, that 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 next tier where you have, you know, Furman, Holy Cross, William & Mary, um, I think Idaho, like we talked about, can get into that that next tier that's kind of that quarterfinal, semifinal range, but probably not quite there just yet to win a national title. Um, I think there's, you know, a good five, six teams, you know, in that tier to kind of to, uh, you know, round out the top eight of the FCS. But yeah, South Dakota State is just looks like they're on a different level this year compared to everyone else. And then from there, it was an interesting offseason to hear some of the talk about potential changes to the FCS playoffs. Uh, last year, when November rolled around, it, Vandal fans were either getting re-familiar or familiar with how the FCS playoffs ultimately work. There's been some talk about changes. Can you give us a breakdown of, of what that chatter has been and where things might be trending into the future for uh, different tweaks beyond this year? Right. Yeah, the the, the FCS playoff bracket structure is is actually i mean if you're not familiar with it it can be can get pretty complex as far as you know the auto bids and the at large bids and 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 the bubble and how do they decide the seeds and how do they decide uh the the home games uh, through a bidding process in the first round but uh, you know the hope and it's not going to happen for this upcoming fall but the hope is for 2024 uh, the 24 team bracket, and so it'll still be 24 teams, but instead of seeding the top eight, uh, they hope to seed the top 16. Um, and what that would do is the top eight seeds still get a first round buy like it's always been, but then seeds nine through 16 will automatically host in the first round uh, of, the, of, uh, of the pool of teams through 17 through 24, still probably based on regionalization. But what, what that gets rid of is... Um, you know, the, the teams nine through 16, if they have, you know, the best resumes or whatever, they're guaranteed to host in the first round where now usually it's based off of a bid where every team in the playoff picture, they submit a bid that says, Hey, you know, if, if we can host in the first round, this is the guaranteed bid. We're going to, we're going to basically write a check to the NCAA. Um, and that's usually how the, the first round home games host sites are determined. It got a little wonky last year where UND submitted a, like a hundred and thirty thousand dollar bid to host in the first round. Weber State's bid was like forty to fifty thousand dollars. Yet the playoff committee awarded Weber State the home game because they thought they were more they were more deserving. On the flip side, Semo, a conference champion, had to go to Montana, and Montana was the was the last or second to last team in the FCS playoff bracket. But Montana got to host because they had the higher bid. So it's like if you're the playoff committee, you can't say, all right, we're going to go to the higher bid here in this scenario, but in this other scenario, we're going to go to who we think is more deserving. It just, it created a lot of controversy with fans and ADs. And so seeding nine through 16, will at least get rid of that where, okay, we know if you're the, if you're the 15th, you know, seed, you're, you're automatically going to host. You don't have to worry about outbidding another team because you automatically get that first round home game. You talked about kind of some controversy and changes in uh, the college landscape. What is what do you kind of make of all the conference realignment that's happened over the last couple of months? Um, and even though it's happened at the the upper levels of um, our league and sport, uh, how do you think it's going to impact the FCS both long term and short term? Yeah, with realignment, uh, sometimes uh, there's there's massive trickle down where things things move around in the power five and then that that trickles down into the g5 and then that trickles down into the fcs and you know a couple of years ago with uh the oklahoma and texas moving to the sec you know that 
created a, a ripple effect, uh, effect where, you know, the Power Five, the Big 12 had to add multiple G5 teams, and then the G5 kind of ate each other alive, and then a G5 conference like Conference USA had to add um, multiple FCS teams. And so now what we're seeing with the Pac-12 demise, um, I think these dominoes hurt any team's chances uh, in the FCS when you're looking at a, uh, whether it is in Idaho or a Sac State, UC Davis, Montana schools, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Um, I think initially when we saw the Pac-12 was, was getting picked apart, you know, the initial reaction was probably, okay, well, the Pac-12 is going to have five, six teams left. They're going to take five teams from the Mountain West, and the Mountain West is going to be first forced to take Montana State, Montana, North Dakota State. Well, now that we know that the Pac-12 is, is going to have a hard time surviving, only seems like there's only going to be two teams left in the Pac-12. Um, it seems more than likely that the Pac-12 will just dissolve um, into the Mountain West or vice versa. And so um, I don't know if this round necessarily is going to have the the impact on the FCS that maybe we originally thought it was going to. What are some of the big games nationally that you have on your radar right now? I know from an Idaho perspective, uh, those non-conference games against Nevada and Cal stand out. You have those two huge home games against Montana State and Montana. For you, when you look at the whole FCS landscape, what games are you particularly intrigued to see this year? Yeah, I think the the big non-conference one is definitely Montana State going to South Dakota State, a matchup of, of top three ranked teams. I think that's going to tell us a lot about the gap um, between South Dakota State and everyone else. And can Montana State close that gap on teams like NDSU and, and South Dakota State? So, um, you know, that, that's a big one. I'm really intrigued with Sac State going to Stanford. Um, you know, some juicy storylines there. Uh, you know, I think New Hampshire uh, going to Central Michigan. That's another FCS, uh, FBS game um, that I think has potential for an FCS over FBS win. Uh, then William and Mary goes to, um, I believe it's Virginia uh, in state FCS versus FBS matchup there. Um, I think that's potential for William and Mary to kind of make some noise nationally in the FCS and get a power five win. So when you're covering the FCS from a national perspective, who are some of the teams that kind of um, draw the most eyes to your content? Yeah, the with Google Analytics, you can see, you know, what states are reading. Uh, the most stories on hero sports and, you know, what, what cities and all that. And uh, definitely fan bases in the Missouri Valley football conference and the big sky move the needle the most, uh, you know, Montana is, is the state that um, drives the most traffic to hero sports. Uh, you know, city wise, Minneapolis is, is a big city just because there's a lot of North Dakota state, South Dakota state, Northern Iowa alum uh, li- living in, in, in this area. Uh, but yeah, it just seems that, you know, as odd, it, it might sound odd, but, you know, the, the teams that are a little bit more remote, like in Idaho, the Montana schools, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, their, their, their passion is just a little different. Uh, it's, it's just at a different level compared to a lot of other FCS teams uh, where the FCS, if you're on the East Coast, if you're in the Southeast you know, you're, you're surrounded by FBS programs that suck up so much oxygen. And um, I mean, you look at the the number of media outlets that cover Montana, Montana state, and just the sheer amount of media outlets that cover North Dakota state. Well, if you're a Chattanooga and you're Furman, you're probably not getting a lot of coverage because there's 10 FBS schools within a three hour radius of you. And so um, it's just hard for those programs in those areas to, to fight for attention um, compared to some big sky and Valley teams where they are a bit more isolated and they're, they're the biggest show in, in, in town and in, in the state. 
And on that note, did you see an uptick in what appeared to be Vandal fans uh, digesting your content and coming to read your articles after the success and during the success of last season? Yeah, there definitely was. And, and winning obviously helps with that. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen that with other fan bases too, where, um, I mean, I ETSU made the quarterfinals in 2021, and I heard more from ETSU fans last summer uh, than I had, you know, in, in, in the previous 10 years of covering the FCS, just because they're, you know, you make a run to the quarterfinals and all of a sudden you're interested in, um, you know, okay, how good is this team? How good is this team? What's our outlook? Um, can we make another run uh, deep in the playoffs? And so I think with Idaho, you know, obviously coming from the FBS in the first few years in the FCS, uh, there were some struggles there where if you're an Idaho fan, you know, you you probably don't care a whole lot about South Dakota State and North Dakota State and William & Mary at that point. You're just concerned about, okay, can we make the playoffs? And now with Idaho making the playoffs and getting a lot of preseason love, top 10 love, now all of a sudden Idaho is, Idaho fans are searching out for more FCS content. They're they're more curious about non-conference games or articles about their own team or, um, you know, they're curious about, uh, you know, how William & Mary does because how William & Mary performs, that impacts Idaho because of seeding and all that. And so um, I think just winning uh, in general has helped that. But again, Idaho is also in the, um, in the same position as, as like the Montana schools and Dakota state schools where, um, you know, they're not, I know there's some nearby FBS teams, but it's not like, you know, again, a three hour radius where there's 20 different FBS programs surrounding Idaho. And so that just helps uh, kind of get that, that fan base really dialed into, into Idaho and in, in, in the region there. So speaking of uh, Moscow, Idaho and our region here, I know that uh, you've talked about a lot on your show that it's hard for you to make trips out there, even though you'd like to because it's really hard to stay in tune with everything happening nationally. But that said, I know you, you've been able to make the Dakota marker game. You've been able to make a couple of brawl of the wilds and you do seem to try to make maybe one or two games a year. Um, is Moscow on your radar as some place you're looking to make a trip in the future? Yeah, ideally I could make it there uh, this year uh, sometime in October, you know, both Montana schools uh, heading to Moscow. Um, you know, so I think obviously you, that would at that point most likely be top 10 matchups, top 15 matchups, depending on where Montana is at. And so, um, yeah, one of those games I'm hopeful to get out there. Um, but you know, nothing set in stone just yet, but, um, I mean, yeah, the making it to the Dakota marker, the, the Dakota marker games is, is easy for me. Cause that's just a three hour drive for me. Uh, but as far as getting on a plane and traveling and staying in hotels, yeah, you, you kind of have to make it worth it. You know, I've been to the last, I want to say three brawl, the wild games. Uh, but that's, you know, a little bit easier to sell, uh, because you know, you're, you, whatever tweet you have, whatever articles you have, both of those fan bases are going to eat it up. Um, and so if you are going to travel, um, you have to go to a place where there is a passionate fan base where, um, you know, you, if you go there and you write an article, you know, it's going to get a, you know, a, a lot of page views and, and make it worth it. Um, you know, you don't want to spend, you know, over a thousand dollars to go to a game where there's 3000 people there and you do a post-game article recap or a post-game column talking about your trip, your trip and, you know, 200 people read it. That just is not worth, you know, making that trip. And so um, I know that if I do make it to Idaho for one of those Montana or Montana state games that, you know, whatever I tweet, whatever I write about that game is going to blow up because both of those fan, all three of those fan bases are really good. And it's going to have, it's going to be a game with a lot of high stakes. So we'll see if I can, if I can make it there. Well, fingers crossed, we'll be seeing you in the not-too-distant future here on the Palouse. And I'm curious, you do such a great job of keeping your finger on the pulse of the FCS landscape. How do you digest it all? What's a normal Saturday like for you? 
Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, that's why I don't travel a ton. You know, it'd be fun to go to a different place every weekend. That would actually, actually be a blast. But at the same time, you know, when I'm, when I'm just in my uh, basement office, you know, I have, you know, a big screen TV going on streaming four different games at once. And then pr- usually another TV to the side, you know, having a fifth game on and then depending on, you know, if there's a, a bunch of games involving top 25 teams at that moment, you know, maybe pop a six game on, on my computer. And so, yeah, anywhere from four to six games streaming at once from 11 AM until maybe 10 PM, uh, you know, with the subdivision of 128 teams, you're obviously, you can't watch all of those games. And so uh, really what I focus is, is any game involving top 25 teams or teams in the top 25 pitcher or games that impact the playoff pitcher, that's going to take, you know, my attention to that game. And so obviously the first five weeks of the season, you know, you're, you're trying to watch as many games as possible, but when we get to week eight, you know, if it's, if it's two, three and five teams in the big sky, like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to tweet about your game. I'm not going to watch your game. Cause it's, it's irrelevant, you know, on a national stage. And so um, you kind of try to dwindle games down um, to which ones have the biggest implications because you can't just, um, if I tweeted about all, you know, 128 teams every single Saturday, I would just be blowing up uh, people's Twitter feeds a little too much. And so I try to, I try to pick out maybe 30 to to 40 games uh, around 30 games a week that I, I want to be able to be able to make sure that I watch. Well, for folks who might not already be following you on Twitter or know where to find all your great content, uh, how can they follow you and and where can they read the, uh, the articles and all the great work that you put out? Yeah. So our website is heroesports.com. Then I'm on Twitter at Sam Herter FCS. Perfect. Sam, we're looking forward to a fun season. We really appreciate the time today. And uh, well, again, holding out hope that we might, uh, we might be seeing you around Moscow uh, and not too far down the road. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Very thankful to Sam for taking the time to chat with us, getting the national perspective on the Vandals here on the cusp of the start of the season. And now it's time for our conversation with University of Idaho Director of Athletics, Terry Golick. Here is our conversation with Terry. Terry, thanks for being here today with us. It's a, it's a busy and fun time. Uh, how are you doing? Great. It is a busy and fun time, and everybody loves it when the students come back to campus and to the community. Happy to be here with you today. Well, and on that note, uh, the, the students are here. You can feel just the uh, just the energy of having everyone, everyone back on campus. Uh, the weather's been great. But uh, on that note, it's kind of uh, turning the page on summer a little bit. How was summer for Vandal Athletics? We had a great summer, in my opinion. Uh, We had a lot of great Vandal events, and I know Chris Hammond's on with us, and he's helped put on a lot of those, but traveled all over the state, and because now we're, or I think we're out of COVID, I say it that way, I actually was able to tack on some fun adventures before or after each trip, so put on a lot of miles all across the state, did some fly fishing, caught some fish, so, but... Aside from that, really, really fun to be around the excited Vandals after our great football season last year, but also introducing our new coaches, Pribble and Coach Amy, for basketball. It it was really a great summer. So, Terry, soccer and volleyball have kind of already started their seasons. How have you seen the start of fall sports going overall? Well, I think Chris said it best that there's a lot of energy And with all the student athletes that report back early and even cross country comes back a little bit early, but in particular football, volleyball and women's soccer, 
they've been hard at it. I've gone to actually a couple of practices in, in all those sports and seen the energy and enthusiasm and and the talent level. We've raised the talent level quite a bit or the bar, whichever way you want to look at it. So we're excited uh, for them to continue their their good fall start and keep going. You mentioned those two new coaches for basketball and Alex Pribble and Carrie Amy. How much fun has it been seeing them uh, bring on a new players, building their roster? And shoot, before you know it, we're going to be over at the ICCU Arena. It's going to be tip-off to hoop season. It will be. And what's been great about uh, those folks, and not only are the head coaches new, but the majority of the staff. I know uh, Carrie and uh, Devin, who is her husband, who is the third assistant coach, um, decided to uh, retain Drew, which was great because he has a lot of uh, institutional community knowledge, et cetera. And he's a great, great young man. They've all started off men's and women's basketball with not only new assistants, but new faces. Like we did not retain a lot of returners on either team. And so engaging with those young people in the summer and Carrie uh, and her staff got a little bit of a later start than, than Coach Pribble did. So, you know, they're still building it. We're still kind of looking under the hood. I think we're done now recruiting but um, for this year. But they've hit the ground running. Can't wait to see the excitement. They're both men's and women's basketball is going to look very, very drif- different, not only from the past but from each other. So I encourage everybody to come on and, and check those teams out because it's going to be – Grinding, going after the ball, hustling, energy, uh, everybody in. It's really, really been awesome to see that. Speaking of checking teams out, Terry, we're only a couple days away from the season opener for Vandal football down in Beaumont, Texas. Kind of talk about how excited you are to kick off Vandal football and get down to Beaumont. Well, I'm so excited about that that I'm actually leaving uh, Moscow on Sunday I am from Texas. Everybody knows that, I think. Um, I'm going to visit with my parents for a day and a half, and then I am going to do the advanced travel party uh, stint for football. So I met with staff today. I got to check on the meeting rooms. I got to check on the FBO, that where we land, and the charter flight. I got to make sure the equipment truck's there, the Gatorade's there. So I'm doing a whole new thing that I've never done before behind the scenes for football, but getting a bit more serious about the game. I know that our coaches and staffs and and strength and conditioning and the training room have been really preparing our young men, you know, for a football game down in Beaumont, Texas, which is hot and humid like you've never seen. So we've been keeping the Kibbe Dome warm. It kind of worked in our favor, unfortunately, that we had smoke at the beginning of last week, but we've kept the vent shut, which was good, keep the smoke out, but it's a little warm in there, a little sticky, which is what you want. I've been checking the weather report every single day. I've been down to Texas. I'm not. I'm not a Texas native like you, so I don't. I don't uh, have the full grasp of what we're going into down there. But uh, I've been checking the weather forecast every day, especially the humidity. But I have been assured the press box has uh, has AC. So I think maybe my experience might be a little different than uh, than everyone else's there uh, coming up soon. But uh, we're looking forward to that game and uh, the non-conference slate: Lamar, Nevada, Cal. Lamar's kind of a unique one because it did get added to the schedule later, but there, there seems to be a lot of potential benefits to that game with what it, it could mean, depending on how the season goes, but for, for a chance to, uh, fingers crossed, have a, have a repeat appearance in the playoffs. You're exactly right on that. We unfortunately had to give up a home game. We had a non-Division one scheduled, 
And in talking with Coach Eck, uh, and Tim Mooney honestly does a lot of the football scheduling in consultation with Eck and I. So we dropped uh, a game that we were going to play uh, home to pick up the Lamar game because you need Division One opponents uh, counting in your wins and losses column. And, you know, it never hurts to get a little guarantee from said institution that you go play. So, yep, big road trip. Terry, you kind of touched on it there. We had to give up a home game. But when you look at our home slate for this upcoming season, I mean, you couldn't really draw up a better one, it seems. Can you kind of talk about uh, our, our home slates, especially starting with the home opener at defending conference champion Sac State? I think it's awesome, our home home schedule. I really do. You're a, you're a Vandal football fan, and whether you've been coming to games or whether you haven't been coming recently, you need to come this year for great conference home matchups uh it'll be a really really fun atmosphere in the dome particularly if we have a lot of people in there and I know for some it's a struggle because the hotels book up and it's quite expensive but we need everybody to find a way to do it and and please show up to be in the dome and and cheer on the vandals as we play those four conference home games with very you know, challenging opponents. I'm just going to be honest. We got a tough schedule. So we need to put our best foot forward in, in all areas. And that includes uh, Vandal fans coming and coming to the game. One of those games is against uh, Montana on ESPN too. Can you kind of lean into how awesome that is for the program and how it's been a while since we've had ESPN cover the Vandals? Very, very awesome for us to be uh, selected to be on ESPN two. It's, it's interesting uh, in working with the other conference institutions and ADs, you know, you're kind of waiting with bated breath, who's going to get chosen to be on ESPN2 and what games it's going to be. And you kind of forecast that. But for it to be our game, of course it does. Uh, they have asked us to play a later game, 730 game, which is great. So some things will be moved around for homecoming weekend, I'm sure. But there's no better opportunity to showcase what we're doing here and, and the great atmosphere. And again, the more people we have, the better atmosphere we show. So we're, we're really, really excited about the opportunity to be on ESPN too. Well, especially with how that game went last year and the little Brown Stein making its way back to the Palouse and uh, the plan is to keep it here, but that is going to be a one heck of a game coming up. Of course, Sac State, Montana State, Montana, Idaho State, those four home games. So we can't wait to see everyone uh, out at the Dome. And on that note, how has it been bringing on a partner like P1FCU, the P1FCU Kibbe Dome? That uh, that was announced uh, not too long ago. Uh, can you tell us more about uh, just that, that exciting bit of news? When I first arrived at Idaho and started working with President Green, he and I started talking about potentially the opportunity to uh, name the dome. And, you know, one of the things was uh, the Kibbe Dome is – been called that and people know it as that but it was the ASUI Kibbe Dome because the students had uh, generously offered to make some payments towards the structure being you know have a roof on and the um, uh, renovation of it so we started working with ASUI started talking to the presidents and we will be putting some type of plaque or recognition for that naming and then once we found a couple of folks that we thought might want to, you know, significantly contribute to name the dome, we started talking about, well, should we keep the Kibbe name in it? And we just, we wanted to, I wanted to, uh, and 
P1FCU wanted to. So I think it's awesome because it could be, you know, there's been a lot of uh, suggestions out there from this one site. I don't know the actual site that it is, but let's say that an NFL team couldn't play a game because there was a weather issue or something went down. Then on this site, they say, well, we know where you should play the Kibbe Dome. There should be a hockey game in the Kibbe Dome. Heck, we'll do anything in the Kibbe Dome. But yes, P1FCU has been great partners. I can't wait to get their logos on the outside and the inside. It's just taken a bit of time. It's not easy to put a logo on our dome. And there'll be something on the north and south, and, you know, it'll be recognizable, and it'll be really, really cool to have that. Last football season was a lot of fun for a lot of Vandals. What ways are you hoping that we can kind of build upon that coming into this next season? I always want to start with our student athletes and the experience they have. Again, people coming to the game, but importantly, too, is if we can stay injury free, that's going to be really important for us. So we've been doing a lot of things internally. For example, as soon as we secured the deal with Beaumont, I worked with our head athletic trainer at the time. Now he's stepped into a different role and said, you know what, we're going to Beaumont. We might want to rent those fans that, you know, misty fans, the air. So we did that. So we're really, really conscious of doing anything and everything to enhance the student athlete experience. So hopefully all those things come to fruition and, you know, we have a great run like we did last year. And, and on that note, kind of building on that, uh, with all that excitement, you know, I, I'm assuming the first thing fans can do is buy tickets, make sure you're out at, at the games. But anything else that you would like to pass along as far as hey, if people are fired up right now, what they can do to, to support the football program and, and Vandal Athletics as a whole? I'd start with bring a friend, bring two friends, bring your grandma, bring whoever's going to come. And I wrote a note to myself here that on if you're here for the homecoming uh, event with Montana the night before, we have the you know, the serpentine through campus, and we end with fireworks and a drone show that ICCU put on last year. They lifted drones, 150 drones, I think it was, or something like that. So I get a late call on uh, Thursday, and the next night's going to be this drone show. I'd never heard of it, and they're calling me. I'm like, what, what do I need to do? And they go, well, we need to do it on the inside of the track. And I said, well, is it going to do anything to the inside? No. Okay, do it. So if you're here on that Friday night, you need to stay for that drone show. It's worth it. It's like nothing you've ever seen. So that's one thing I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I will vouch for the drone show. That was my first time ever seeing one last homecoming. And uh, now whenever I see one uh, advertised, I try to make it. They are very cool. Um, Speaking of things that are really cool, it was announced back in July. You've been appointed to serve on the NCAA Division I Council. Can you kind of explain to people what that is and kind of what your role will entail? There are 41 folks that will be on that council from all different um, areas uh, within athletic departments and, you know, whether you're from compliance and AD, et cetera. Uh, Jean G from Montana was the representative for the last five years. She did a great job. Now, her background's compliance. My background is not. Mine's more in the sports Uh, administrator management area. So I'll bring a different look at the table. It's going to be a a heavy lift. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of uh, sitting in the room and going back and forth discussing. I hope that we discuss a lot the unintended consequences. If we do this, then this. But you get 40 people in a room, it's kind of hard to 
all be on the same page. And honestly, you're not supposed to be. So you're supposed to come together to uh, infer and finalize or put forward legislation at first and foremost, the interest of the student athletes. Um, so it's, it's basically building or changing or adding to the NCAA rulebook and how college athletics functions. And what also I bring to the table is I was on Division One basketball committee and the men's and women's Division One basketball championship committee that makes a bracket. Now they meet together. So I have a call next week. That's my first call because I'm the representative on the committee that's um, overseeing that. So we're going to have some conversations about, I'm sure one thing on the table is going to be, should there be a combined championship in Division One? Because that's been talked about before. So you're, you're looking at what's going on in the NCAA and what the what the rule changes might be, and probably talking a lot about what's going on in college athletics. Well, on that note, uh, there's a lot going on in college athletics. It feels like there always is, but wow, maybe it's a maybe I'm a, a victim of the moment. But it feels like it's on hyperspeed as of late. What's it like in your shoes? Just navigating everything. It is an ever evolving world, is what uh, is what it feels like we're in right now. It certainly is, and in some ways, you know, those of us that are uh, in the big sky and FCS, we're just kind of watching. Now, it's not that we're not thinking about, you know, things that could come forward, because you always have to be thinking. You always have to be putting things out there that, you know, want to stay out in front of things as best you can, but it's very, very interesting what's going on in the Power 5 autonomy schools. It's just in a way, to me, sad because you've lost some traditions. Like, what's going to happen to the Rose Bowl? You know, and the Pac-12 is such a longstanding conference. And then a school like Stanford, I believe they've won 27 of the last 29 Director's Cups. So what – and, of course, the student-athletes, I know it's going to be a struggle to fly folks across the country. And, you know, football, for the most part, a lot of football teams charter everywhere because it's just – what you need to do to get that big of a a entity around. But in some of these other sports, when you're going to have to hop on commercial flights from the West coast to the East coast and do it numerous times, it, I think those conferences that have made those changes are going to have to get really creative. I saw somebody uh, pitched an idea of do it like basketball has the MTEs. You take different teams, go there and play. And that might be something, something that they end up doing. I don't know. Uh, again, I haven't been in those types of conversations, but I will be because we'll be at the conference office or I have three major meetings uh, working with D1 Council. So it'll be really interesting to be on that committee. And I am proud to represent Idaho and the Big Sky. And I have uh, several friends that are on that committee. So I get to hang out with them and debrief, you know, so go have an adult beverage maybe and discuss some options and you know things like that so I'm looking forward to it well it'd be great to have you serving in that role and you know I just thinking through my my vandal colored glasses that I guess for some programs right now they're gearing up for football season but there's a lot more about who they're going to be playing in the future what their conference is I'm so grateful right now just in the sense that there's so much to be excited for for this vandal football season and all, mm-hmm. all the talk is okay about the games that are coming up and about the exciting players that are back as opposed to unfortunately what what some other colleges and college football programs are having to deal with agreed i mean there'll be some young people that won't know what conference they're playing in next year for a bit of time here and then when it does happen 
you know, in some respects, that's not what you signed up for, especially in the Pac-12. I mean, so that it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, there's young people out there that have a passion to go to, maybe they have grandparents that went to a school that was in the Pac-12. And I, I've told people my dad played at Texas in the Southwest Conference. And I still am kind of upset that conference went down. And that's a long time ago. No, that's a that's a very fair point. Well, Terry, we we really appreciate the time. Chris, is there anything else that you can think of? Uh, Chris H, that is, when you have a pair of Chris's in on this conversation. Uh, uh, Chris, anything else we haven't touched on with Terry that uh, that we should make sure we ask her about? Oh, I, I think we hit everything. I think we can just uh, open it up to anything Terry thinks we missed that she wants Vandals to know about. I do want to say that I was given the privilege by our university president, Scott Green, who by the way, has done phenomenal things for this institution, very forward thinking, bit of a risk taker in this Phoenix uh, situation that we're in, which, but I think it's great for our looking out in front, as I said, because there's going to be an enrollment cliff coming where not as many young people, younger people, et cetera, are going to be going to school. So I appreciate what he's done and how he's motivated our campus and allowed me to do my job, but also he allowed me to speak to uh, the state of the university. And it's the first time I ever, ever have used teleprompters and it was pretty cool. <laughs> I practiced one time and gave the talk, but I, I basically had to reach back into my memory about when I applied for this job and it was the only AD job I went after and I was fortunate enough to get it. And I pulled out my one pager that has four quadrants that I spoke about and what it's what I believe in, but I hadn't really looked at that document and I'm like, okay, here's the four. Yeah, I do that. I do that. I don't do everything every day, but yeah, I appreciate him giving me the opportunity to talk not only to our campus, uh, you know, folks that support us and we support them. I really want to highlight the fact that I believe that we are part, we athletics are part of campus and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for students and professors. And I, I'm a collaborator since I got here. I've been trying to get collaboration with folks on campus. So we've been working through those things. But I, I threw out those types of things. And, and the question that they pitched to me to talk about was, how did you make the transformation in the department? And I started with those four quadrants, which were um, making sure that I paid attention to the concepts and priorities, which were engagement, integrity, fiscal stability, and the most important, a student-centered experience for our student-athletes. And then I said, so what I did was I came in, did a lot of observing, thought of it like of a puzzle. So those four pieces are at the corner. And then I start bringing things in after all my observation. And then I listed a couple of things that I won't, I won't go through all of them. But I said, and then how I started building it was trust, be honest in everything, everyday period, have empathy, how you manage people is important, move the department together. So you're team building, if you will. Um, and then challenge your staff and your department. You know, we got to get better, got to elevate every single year. And I had a lot of folks on campus come up and say that was really, really interesting. And you did a great job. So, and I truly believe it and I live it every day. And so does everybody that's working in this department. I'm really privileged to work with a lot of great people. Chris Hammond being one of them, even though he's not here in Moscow, saw some things in him 
offered him the job. And he knows the story behind the things I saw because we've talked about it before. And he's done a really, really great job in helping us move this forward, as have all the other folks that I work with every day. It really is a great time here, and uh, there's a lot to be excited about, not only in the in the immediate present, but uh, looking into the future as well. Terry, we appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this, and uh, boy, here we go. It's off to the races now that, uh, you know, here we are in late August, and uh, it's getting to it. It's going to be an exciting stretch coming up. Certainly is. Last but not least, go Vandals. Not only a big thank you to Terry Gullick, but Sam Herter and Chris Hammond as well. Keep an eye out next week. Our third episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast should be dropping on Wednesday. We'll get you geared up for the Nevada game. And, of course, we'll have a little conversation about what unfolded down at Beaumont with the Vandal football team having the opener against Lamar. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're excited to talk to you coming up on the Vandal Radio Network and here before you know it for our next episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast. I'm Chris King. Talk to you next time. V's up. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.